Welcome to the Keeney Interviews. Through this series, you will meet leading practitioners from the water sector and hear their stories. Together, we will address water challenges and discuss how best to face them. Keeney is the Malaysian word for current, and this initiative promotes the flow of ideas within the water sector. Hello and welcome to today's interview with Peter Kowalski, co-founder and CEO of MinCarb. MinCarb is an Australian company specialising in low-energy electrochemical water treatment. MinCarb was founded in December 2013 by Colin McDonald and Peter Kowalski, developing the first CDI product based on imported modules from EWP USA and transitioning to Voltaire supplied modules in mid-2014. Peter obtained his PhD in chemical engineering from the University of New South Wales in 2008 and subsequently worked for one of Australia's most successful technology startups before founding MeanCup. My name is Raymond Lam and I hope you enjoy this interview with Peter Kowalski. Okay, Peter, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about your very high-tech and innovative solution on low-energy electrochemical desalination technology. I'm hoping we could start a, with a bit of an introduction where you could talk a bit about yourself, your background, and the roles that you've had. I am a chemical engineer by trade. So I did my undergraduate degree uh, at the University of New South Wales. Um, I stayed on and did my PhD uh, in chemical engineering uh, and finished that in 2008. Uh, so the, the topic uh, or, or the specialization was in the area of membrane filtration, so looking at membrane fouling uh, for drinking water applications. Uh, I went into the semiconductor industry for about five years and, and, then, and then I took all that knowledge um, from the semiconductor industry and especially the, the manufacturing knowledge and decided to get back into water again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I partnered uh, with, with Gary Johnson, uh, who's the owner of J-Car Electronics, uh, in running one of his companies uh, called Waterfresh. Okay. Um, and I, I did that for a couple of years. Um, and we looked at uh, disinfection technology uh, uh, using... Um, uh, hydro shear, so uh, smashing our bud uh, in 2013, came across uh, the technology we're looking at now, which is passive deionization. Right. Um, we, we had a number of test systems we, we developed, um, and we were looking at a number of applications. I think from memory, from memory we claimed groundwater for, uh, for the billions in South Australia uh, because of the I believe there was a, a game on it, on it at the time, uh, which uh, I think was the Gawler re- reuse game, uh, from memory. And that, that got us into uh, CDI. It, we thought it was perfect for, for such an application. So you have um, a brackish groundwater, but not too salty. Um, and, and the technology seems to do quite well when it's not too salty. It's much more cost effective. Right. Um, so we, we started looking at had this application and um, we, we decided to study it and understand it thoroughly. We saw enough promise there uh, to, to get a company going um, and I think late in 2013 I, I partnered up with a, a seed investor, uh, Colin McDonald, 
mm-hmm. um, who, who helped start the company with me. From there, we began working with the University of New South Wales um, to, to help model and understand the technology. We managed uh, to work together to secure an ARC linkage grant okay. uh, to, to look at um, the application of the technology for um, agriculture in, in the Murray Darling Basin. And that allowed us to uh, to study uh, the economics of, of uh, desalination using this technology, but, mm. but at the same time look at uh, developing ways to use solar energy with the technology, which really wasn't done at that point. Um, mm. uh, in addition to that, um, uh, looking at other applications, such as uh, drinking water applications, so we, we then... Uh, secured a, a project with Tata Corporation uh, in India. India, okay. And, um, and, and that was to develop a system for a uh, small community there. Um, right. Uh, yeah, small community, up to 200 people. We, we developed that system for Tata. Um, it was intended to be a low-cost system for, for high-volume manufacturing. Um, and that all turned out good. Um, Could you please elaborate more about this uh, electrochemical water treatment and how this innovative process came about and its key benefits to its users? At the heart of the technology is um, a material that absorbs salt. Um, so, and that is um, activated carbon. It's made into large stacks or, or layers of activated carbon um, hmm separated by, by insulators and, and uh, the two other components in there, and they're layered up, you know, in, in thousands of, of layers right. um, and compressed into stacks. Now, this technology's been around for probably 50 years, okay. but, but the most recent advances is the, build, the ability to um, include a membrane in the stack, and what, what that allows you to do is to trap more salts um, in the absorbent layer, the activated carbon layer. Um, hmm. Not only does it do that, it allows you to protect the, the um, carbon layer, uh, which is susceptible to uh, degradation over time, um, and, and also scale uh, and fouling. Um, so that, that this advance only really came about in the last 10 years, or, and it's only really gotten good in the last two years. So basically, the, the, the technology has been around for 10 years, but, uh, but you guys have sort of made it better, is it? Improved it further? Yeah, not only no, that, but understand um, the operational aspects, mm-hmm. uh, the optimization for solar, uh, solar operation, mm-hmm. um, which is um, an important um, aspect to... Um, you know, the, the rural application where you don't have grid, grid energy. And who do you see are your target users or countries for this process and why? We started, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, in Australia looking at the agricultural um, irrigation application. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then uh, we did seek interest from um, um, Tata, Tata Corporation and... India, in, in particular, have problems with um, arsenic and fluoride 
there are some constraints there in, in, in India uh, mm-hmm. in that you've got to make a business model work around the, the, what people are willing to pay for water. We were also more recently uh, looking at Vietnam as well. Okay. Um, so they have also have a lot of brackish water in, in Vietnam, uh, in, in the rural areas there. Um, they're, they're also experiencing uh, problems with seawater intrusion um, into agricultural lands, and, and I've seen that firsthand. Um, so you just see a lot of potential there to help address that problem. Um, right. And, um, we're also seeing a market in Africa and in the Middle East. Um, so we are getting some demand from there as well. Mm-hmm. And also because your your product uses solar, you can basically use it in very remote areas. Is that right, Peter? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, mm. that, that's correct. Mm. Uh, that's correct. So um, it's it designed to be completely remote. Uh, we're going to be operated, right. um, and and that's and that's why it gets the attention from from the countries and mentions because I see. Um, it, there's no shortage of applications where they have brackish water. Uh, at the same time, they have a remote community or you know a mining camp uh, uh-huh. where they need water. Right. Uh, is there a case? study that you could share on how this uh, water treatment was used and what were the outcomes and lessons learned, Peter? Yeah, look, I think that the best one to, to give is probably uh, the one that we had the most data on, and, and that is the, the application for Tata. Hmm. Um, so the, the, the uh, technology itself um, was deployed to, to look at, um, well, two problems that they were having with the uh, groundwater there. They had uh, uh, problems with fluoride in the groundwater, and, and also um, just salinity in general. Not not high levels of salinity, uh, but about you know, around about that practice level of about two thousand pds. Right. They also had problems with fluoride between three and five parts per million, which is over the WHO um, limit of of one point five parts per million. Um, but, but even, you know, that small, um, it, it's not much over that limit, but the health effects are, are, are staggering. Um, and, and we saw that firsthand in, in India. This is in uh, Yadgir in, uh, in, in Karnataka, uh, which is near Hyderabad. Oh, right. Um, and, so, and so also, also in that region there, they've got problems with uh, fluoride and groundwater. Um, okay. and, and so they're looking out for ways and... Alternative to reverse osmosis as well uh, to treat uh, groundwater. Um, so, you know, one of the things we learned over there mm-hmm. is that they've tried RO, and a lot of the RO plants have been abandoned because uh, they simply do not know um, how to maintain them properly um, and that they are too hard to maintain. Um, so, that, that was actually one of the, the reasons why they, they looked at our technology, uh, which just um, not so susceptible to uh, these problems. You know, we've got about a year's worth of data there, and we, we are able to achieve um, both targets there. We did, however, um, have to develop a, a custom fluoride sensor, a, a low-cost fluoride sensor that we um, installed into the unit, um, and, and that helped us um, ensure that the water was compliant and uh, on spec. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that took a bit of work to develop, uh, but, you know, we knew we were going to 
great challenges like this. And, and we're trying to prepare ourselves to have the capability to develop custom sensors for you know, all these unique, unique problems. So that, that's one of the success stories, um, I, I think. Right. Um, did, 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 you, did you deal a lot with the local councils and the local community there while carrying out this uh, treatment in that region? Yeah, we, we, so we dealt with an organisation called um, Calipay. They um, provided, um, I guess, the, the administrative support there and um, also the um, establishing you know, the, the site there and uh, relationship with the community to um, introduce the, the technology. Um, um, our experience at these sort of uh, community interventions. Right. So did you face any challenges while carrying out the project, Peter? Optimizing the unit and, and dealing with, uh, you know, just basic things like with uh, clean-in-place mm. uh, system, um, being able to maintain it um, efficiently, uh, just really coming up with the right recipe to make sure that all um, uh, goes smoothly. Um, and, and that's something we're praying for. Okay. Uh, what future plans or improvements do you have in place for your current uh, existing services in terms of uh, electrochemical water treatment? Um, we, I mean, we have a, a long-term uh, uh, view for the, the technology. We, we have a technology pipeline that goes out about 10 years, right. um, and we've got different, uh, different variants on the technology sitting at different parts of the pipeline. Um, so at the moment... Uh, we're looking at a number of electrode variants uh, that are coming off the, the, the pipe now. Mm -hmm. um, we're looking at different size systems. In, in fact, we're trying to make uh, a small system that can go on a lifeboat, uh, and it's uh, very low power. It can actually plug into a USB port on a computer. Um, wow. So we can have very small uh, variations on the technology. Um, and then going out a little bit further in the pipeline, we'd be looking at um, the ability to recover energy uh, from, from the electrodes, which is important. Um, looking mm -hmm. at optimizing iron selectivity. Um, so, for example, arsenic, how do we improve the renewable efficiency of arsenic? Um, and then if we go a bit further out, and the sort of things we're expecting in 10 years' time, um, well, there's two te technologies we're looking at. Uh, one is a, an advanced oxidation hybrid process uh, where uh, we, uh, we inject uh, peroxide mm -hmm. into the, just before the electrode. And what we do is we get um, a disinfection effect simply due to the electrochemical reaction of peroxide at the electrode interface. Um, so we actually get both disinfection and desalination in the electrode. So we're, we're looking at developing that um, long term. Um, uh, another variant on the technology is called FCDI, which is flow uh, capacity deionization. Um, now this, as I mentioned earlier, um, the, the carbon's arranged in layers, mm -hmm. uh, in thousands of layers, but this technology, you can have the carbon suspended in solution. Um, and why that's important is you can have uh, um, farms take uh, with carbon flow. Um, 
which means you can use an infinite amount of absorbent material at a cost that is similar to the raw co- the, the raw material cost, rather than you know having all these overheads uh, to do with uh, you know, building enclosures right. and, and electro casings. So they they all cost money, but mm. if you could have the carbon free, uh, you can uh, certainly lower the cost. Cut down the cost. You know, probably a couple of couple of orders of magnitude. Oh wow! Okay. Mm. So that, that's what we're looking at over a period of you know three to ten years. Do you have any advice for young water prof- professionals who would like to venture in this innovative field of, of expertise? Yeah. If you, I mean, desalination is always going to be around. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, uh, be it for, for irrigation or, or drinking water. Um, if you look at, look at desalination, say in the last. You know, a little while. Uh, our reverse osmosis has dominated uh, the market. Yeah. Um, but, but it's coming. It's coming to the end of its technology cycle. I, I mean, it will still continue to enjoy a market share, the largest market share, for, for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of the reasons is it's a, a mature technology. It's, you know, it's a broad spectrum technology, so it can do more than just desalinate. Mm. Um, or however. You know, CDI is at the beginning of the cycle, um, and at the moment, um, we're just starting to see significant cost reductions in the technology. Um, so, so right now, one of our electrons costs two thousand um, dollars, wow. and that's going to be good enough for. It's going to be cost effective for a lot of applications, but I'm expecting in ten years' time that price to be about two hundred dollars. Mm. Um, and once we cross certain thresholds in, in cost, um, we're going to be able, we're going to be able to use technology to do or to solve bigger and bigger problems. Um, so like I mentioned before, mm. um, seawater intrusion because of um, seawater rise. Um, I, I, I believe this technology can do it at the right price. Um, um, you know, other things like irrigation and farming. Um, but there's definitely a future there. Um, right. So the, the the demand will definitely grow. There will, there, will, there will always be a consistent demand for it. And it's a good feel for young water professionals to think about venturing into. Right? Mm. Yeah, in, yeah. In, many, in many diverse ways. I mean, yeah. uh, you, you know, you could have someone that's just really motivated um, and they have a particular interest, say, for example, um, they're interested in a, using it on a crop, uh, uh, interested in, for example, avocado, mm. um, and they, they have a particular interest in, in that industry, and they could use the technology to do, you know, marginal desalination, but um, get quite large yield increases because you're not using salty water. Um, and, and just there, there's an opportunity for profit uh, to you know, use the technology to, to get, you know, increased revenue to increase yield. Are you the only one currently in the market providing uh, such technology in terms of solar and low energy desalination? Or are there other players in the market in Australia? No, no it's just us at the moment. Um, wow. You know, technically, it's quite a challenging problem. It, it, it's got a... It's a hybrid between electrical engineering and chemical engineering, and it's mm. very tightly integrated um, 
uh, knowledge that is not easy to generate. Um, but it's something we have, uh, you know, put a stake in the ground and established ourselves as, you know, leaders in, in this area. There's certainly a, a demand, um, yeah. and there are problems of significance that will only be solved through, you know, these uh, multidisciplinary uh, endeavours. Mm, mm. So that is why I think you know the Australian Water Partnership uh, could lend a hand when it when when it comes to integrating your expertise with the with the with the expertise of our other partners as well, working on projects overseas. We find that many industries aren't open to new, new technology, mm. uh, so it's just finding the, the ones that are a bit adventurous and you know willing uh, to uh, sweat it out, long sleep up, I guess. Are there any last words of advice or you you like to say to the um, Kini community? Yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot of challenges in the, the Murray Darling Basin. Um, you know, we're, we're expecting um, there to be both drought and salinity impacted or salinity impacted because of climate change. Our company and, and the university are really rolling our sleeves up trying to come up with technology that can actually solve the problem. Hmm. Um, so that, that's pr- pretty much where our, our head is at at the moment. Um, we won't take no money, so we, we're going to die trying. It's <laughs> good to know. <laughs> All right. I guess that brings us to the end of the interview, Peter. Thank you. Kini is an initiative of the Australian Water Partnership and the International Water Centre Alumni Network. Kini connects water managers and shares knowledge throughout the Asia-Pacific. Visit our website at kini.org.au for more information and for videos, articles, news and more.